All right, morning, evening, afternoon, all, and welcome back to another episode of the Plug Live podcast. Whatever, wherever you listen to this, I hope you're having a hell of a day. Today, I'm joined by Connor Nolan from the Unplayable Golf Podcast. Connor, how are you doing today? All good, Mark. Cheers. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure having you on. Actually, the last time I had you on was the Adair Manor Pro Am when we had a pretty in depth conversation around Xander Shoffley winning and just how good Adair Manor could be for the Ryder Cup. So it's been a while since we spoke and. <laughs> A lot has happened in the meantime. Yeah, I think around then, um, I'm not sure how dominated the golfing world was by the whole live saga at that stage. But yeah, there's definitely been a lot to talk about since. <laughs> now it's dominating my nightmares and dreams at nighttime. I can't really <laughs> sleep. But uh, yeah, no, we, we I think we have a few things to touch on in this podcast. Like, what started off being a very, very boring week in the world of golf last week. And then on Sunday, I was sitting there and I was like, Jeez, the DP World Tour Championship is on this morning. And then the CME Group Tour Championship is on later. And then the um, uh, PGA Tour is on after. Which, uh, why am I forgetting the name of this? The Orsham Classic. And all of a sudden on Saturday, it seemed like we could have, or Sunday, it seemed like we could have a trio of Irish winners. But I think the World Golf got pretty hectic with no live this weekend. And it just shows that we didn't need to live to have an exciting weekend of golf. Yeah, no, especially for, for Irish people, like when Matt Roy won the, the race to Dubai. Um, Power was sitting tied second and Leon McGuire tied first. So, like, mm. yeah, it looked like it could have been an incredible few hours for Irish golf. Um, mm. But it still was, like, McGuire ended up finishing second. I'm sure we'll touch on it. And Power, I think he ended up getting the top five as well with a decent-sized check. So, like, as far as Irish golf goes, great. Um, and as far as the kind of, I guess, excitement in golf, and um, the RSM actually finished that in really kind of good fashion. Um, and in the DP World Tour, you have some of the best players in the world, kind of hunting each other down. So yeah, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have looked like much on the surface, but ended up being a great weekend of golf. Well, you've given me a perfect segue into my next question because the Tuesday trivia section is back this week, and I have two got two LPGA Tour golfers. And the first one is, how much has Leon Maguire won on the LPGA Tour this season? If you're to hazard a guess, Connor, do you have any idea what you'd even guess? Well, she, she has a win, a few top fives, a few top tens, two of them majors, two million quid. Okay, and uh, I'll tell you at the end of the show. And then the second one was Lydia Cole, who's um won the oh. CME Group Tour Championship. Do you know what she has earned this season? Two million alone this week, anyway. Um, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Uh, five, second five. Jeez, Connor, you must have you must have researched before this podcast because you're pretty much on the money with both on the money with both of those. Literally. Um all right, well, we'll jump over to Dubai where John Ram, well, Roy McElroy won the DP World Tour Championship and John Ram won the event over in Dubai. Um all right, let's touch on John Ram first because in his interview after he mentioned the fact that people had come up to him multiple times, given out that it was a very, very in quotes, mediocre season for him. And he humbly said on the in his interview after that he's had three wins across three continents. Uh, how do you interpret this, Connor? Because since, I will just say, since the Open, he has gone T5, T8, T16, T2, win, T4, win. And his world golf ranking has ma- remained unchanged at fifth in the world. So how would you assess John Ram's performance over the last 12 months? Over the last few, <clears throat> over the last few kind of months, he's. I know he's kind of given out about the world ranking not changing, but like some of these wins are in the example of this week being a fifty-man field and no cut. Um, I think the other one was in Mallorca recently. Was it Mallorca or Andalusia or which? Well, one of the Spanish Open. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and like he's he's just been spending a lot of time in the DP World Tour. Um, where I guess th- there isn't as great a depth of field. Um, I do kind of I see his point in that, like, if you are having to start questioning, why am I not getting the amount of points I'm, I I feel like I deserve, especially from a guy who's one of the best players in the world? Yeah, you kind of have to listen to him. Um, but I think we we spoke about this last week in terms of Ram. Um, he. He just gets in the in the heat of a moment at uh, the odd time and kind of says things he mightn't necessarily kind of uh, not believe, but just he, 
he's not as, I guess there's a bit of a, a flair there when it comes to heat of the moment and maybe speaking a bit too much about what he's actually thinking or how he's really feeling instead of trying to, to bottle it up a bit more. Um, like in the in the world of rankings, like there, there is an equation there for it uh, in terms of actually dedicating the amount of world ranking points for a player for a particular week. Um, and when you have kind of, uh, I guess, just the, the the types of tournaments that, that he's been playing particularly well in recently, um, bar the ones in, in the States and the BJ Tour, obviously. Um, it, it does feel like he could have gone up, but it's, um, yeah, I... I don't really know where I stand on it. I just, I, I think he's the only, the only thing that I would be really worried about is, is all this kind of, uh, this, this kind of severe reaction to worlds towards the world golf ranking. Mm. Is, is it a, is it him trying to, I guess, get a bit of leverage, um, on something like the DP world tour to say, guys, you have to sort this out or else, or if the points aren't worth anything here, um, why am I bother playing here? And is that a, a potential kind of um, warm up towards moving to something else? <laughs> I don't yeah. want to say that. Don't you want to say it in the same sentence, Ram and Live? But it's just it's very strange comments for someone who was seen as kind of the one of the poster boys, like a very similar place to Macro in terms of standing up for the tour and the, I guess the Sevy kind of um, uh, links to the, I guess being a proud European, uh, it's, um, I don't know. I, I just think it's a bit strange, to be honest. Imagine he made all these comments about the World Golf Ranking points, trying to get them changed, and then it came, comes out in like four weeks that he's moving to live after the World Golf Ranking points get changed. Like That would be the greatest chess move of all time. But uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's actually, do you, do you have the World Ranking points there now, or who's in the top few? I have the, oh, I do actually have it here in Data Golf. Like, um, where is Cam Smith? Cam Smith in the World Golf Rankings is uh, third. So you would have think, I guess, since Cam Smith left, Ram has put together a few good performances. You would have thought Cam Smith mm. would have dropped, or at least if someone from kind of the top five was pushing on one of the top two or three guys, if they took a few weeks off, that he'd, he'd close the gap. So maybe maybe he does have a point. Um, I just, yeah, I, I just think he's... Um, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's just speaking scene. very freely. Yeah, and you do like to see the passion about it. But as is in, if if there is mm. if there's a genuine problem there, you you assume more people will be talking about it as opposed to him just being potentially, I guess, pissed off that he's had a few good string of performances and he's not getting moved up in the world rankings. Yeah, well, I think like like he's given away with the fact that he's won three times and he's had this great run of form since the Open Championship, but. You have to remember, like one of those wins was the Mexico Open where he was three to one to win. The other one was the Spanish Open where he was it was like a weak field. Um the depth of field isn't that great that he's been playing on. And as well as that, I saw hypothesize on Twitter during the week that because he's now fifth and he hasn't moved, perhaps he was because it's a two year rolling system, perhaps he was getting rid of some really good events that he had to make up for these performances over the last two years. So maybe like two years and one month ago he won a tournament. That was hypothesized, never backed up, but that's just a theory. Mm. But like, I think he just, I don't know. I do think that the World Golf Ranking points are unfair, um, especially like it just seems like it never really backs up. Like the fact that there was 23 points going for the DP World Tour event this week and 37 points were going for the RSM Classic when seven out of the top 25 players in the world were playing at the DP World Tour and 25 or zero out of the top 25 players in the world were playing at the RSM Classic. It just felt like it was very unfair. Now, I do understand the fact that the World Golf Ranking Points do award a heavier weighting towards if there's more people within the field. So, down at Seaside Golf Course, we had 150 players or so in the field compared to the, the DP World Tour Championship with only 50 players. So, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm torn a little bit in the middle, but at the same time, when I saw it out last week saying, listen, we've got to get more golf, World Golf Ranking points towards the DP World Tour Championship because it is a stronger field. Like beating, beating Rory and John Ram and whoever else is there, Victor Hovind, was much better feat than beating Adam Svensson and whoever, like Seamus Perrin, no disrespect to him, 
and Sahid Tagala, they just have they don't have that pedigree behind that these top twenty five players have. Yeah, I think um, another kind of I guess point to it is like when when there is um, when there is one hundred and forty fifty odd players in the field and like you're 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 on the PGA Tour, like you're not you're it's not like a normal kind of medal where this mightn't be the case um, or a kind of local or smaller course where the top two percent always win. Like this is the PJ tour, like anyone, if they show up on the right week wins. Um, and like Adam Svensson is the absolute kind of uh, picture of that in that he, mm. he played three, uh, three RSMs before never made a cut and goes out there this week and wins. So like it, it doesn't really, the, the, the deep North or this, this week was a bad example to use as a argument against, why the PGA Tour is getting more points because there was no cut and 50 people. Like it wasn't, it's like a live event nearly. Um, mm. Whereas on a week to week basis, if you go back, I don't know, to the, the Fortnite, um, where home won, that was a decent event. And I think that was the week of the Spanish Open um, or just about, say, about a month ago, but like a relatively weak PGA Tour field and a relatively strong, I think it was a strong enough field. Maybe it wasn't the Spanish Open, but just. In terms of like the weakest PJ Tour events versus the kind of good PJ Tour events or DP World Tour events, um, in those kind of cases, then if the weighting is kind of severely kind of skewed, like put the Fortnite up against Wentworth as an example, mm. and then see what the points are. Like if Wentworth is getting less points than the Fortnite, then there, yeah, there's definitely some sort of bias towards PJ Tour event for world ranking points. Whereas this week, you can't really you can't really size them up together, to be honest. Um, but no, yeah. it'll be um, it, it will be kind of I guess interesting um when they do actually sit down and talk about it properly, um because they they will have to uh, and they're only getting more and more pressure and kind of highlighted the more the kind of live saga goes on and the likes of Cam Smith and DJ aren't getting world ranking points so, um yeah it's uh I think they're based in uh, at St Andrews um in mm. Scotland. And I think I don't know how many people work for them yet, but I'd say they've they've never had more spotlight on them than they have at the moment. No, never. Just to get back, just to touch on what you said there. So Max Holm at the Fortnite Championship got forty point four world golf ranking points. Uh, Shane Larry at then at Wentworth got thirty eight world golf ranking points. So, so Fortnite got more than Wentworth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound right. Like that. No, that sounds a bit. No, yeah. it doesn't at all. Um. Well, I'll just briefly moves on here. Just talking about John Ram. Otherwise, he mentioned in his fact that, or in his interview, that people actually kept coming up to him saying, "Oh, you've had a mediocre season," and he argued back the fact that he's won three times in three continents. It like, and the comment I saw on Twitter was, "Tiger Woods would never ever say something like that." That winning three times, like the Spanish Open, the Mexico Open, and the DP World Tour Championship, two of them are like relatively weak events. And if, as well as that, it's John Ram's first season since 2017, not having a top 10 in the major. I, I just don't know how he can be, to be brutally honest, I don't know how he can be satisfied with this season. Like It doesn't seem like he's been really in contention in any major events um, so far. And he's coming out saying that it's been more than a mediocre season for him. Like For him, who's been a major champion, number one in the world for many, many months, I don't know how he can be satisfied with what he's done over the last 12 months. No, I totally agree. Like he's, he's meant to be one of the best players in the world and kind of McElroy really kind of put him up on the pedestal with him when he was kind of talking about um, where he is in his game at the moment as well. And that he's one of the best players in the world, but yeah, like it's, it's hard to, when you look at McElroy then like everything that he's won this year, FedEx cup, um, number one, in the world, uh, what was it? Top eight in every major. Like that's a that's a world number one golfer. Um, mm. If you're talking about a top five golfer and you're saying they won three events and two of them were in Mexico and Spain, doesn't really kind of flatter um, Ram at all. And I think he maybe he's just being a bit defensive in terms of kind of sticking up for himself and saying like mm. we're just trying to push forward with his own kind of positive mental attitude. Um, in that kind of I'll I'll be back in January. I think he's going to the Bahamas for the Hero. Um, so. Like it's he doesn't really have a lot of off time, so maybe he's just trying to, uh, I guess, come off on the back of this good bit of form and try to keep that momentum going into into next year. Because really, is like when we move, forget the hero, but um, 
when we have the century then in January, but that's not that far away at all. And suddenly the the Dubai swing will roll around and you'll be in the majors. And maybe he's just maybe this is the start of his season in his own head. Um, and he's kind of mm. trying to forget about last last year. Yeah, like my, my counterpoint, like my point to it is Justin Thomas won the PGA Championship, a major, and he finished T8 at the Masters, had some other good finishes in the PGA Tour. And people argue that this is a disappointing season for him. John Ram wasn't even in contention in those strong fields. And yeah, I, I got a little bit frustrated when I heard that comment out of him. Like, surely he's got to accept that this was a bio, below mediocre year for him. And but yeah, like it's kind of it's it's the same. It's the same reason we we've been slating McRoy for for years. Not slating, but like eight years specifically. This is ninth season now without a major, and like he has been in and around the top ten, top five in the world for that entire amount of time. Like he hasn't been kind of he hasn't completely fallen off the rails, and for most of that time we've been saying he's a complete disappointment. He's not fulfilling his potential. He's not doing this and that. Um, like we do base these guys off majors and that's great. Like I, like you can talk about all the, all the best players in the world and you know, very few of them bar like the obvious ones. Um, how many PG times they won the PGA tour, unless it's a very mm. low number. Like when it gets to the higher kind of numbers, it's, it's, it's not really what you're remembered for. Then you kind of transcend into best players of all time and you know how many majors they won. Um, so for Ram, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like he, he can try and take the positives out of the year. That's great. That's that's all all well and good. But don't be kind of getting a bit pissy about it. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what you say. He's just letting off a bit of steam, like the Spanish bulldog that he is. Um, the the number one player in the world is also the number one player in the FedEx Cup standings in 2022. Who's also the number one player on the DP World Tour Championship last season. Rory McIlroy, you mentioned it about him already. What a year for Rory. Like, this is, like, what he's done over the last 12 months, and it's been well documented on this podcast, how he's just put the PGA Tour up in his shoulders and carried Jay Monaghan through this shit mess that he's been in, as well as that performance, the high standard that he's performing to. Like, man, I couldn't be any more proud of Rory right now if I tried to be. Yeah, like he, he, to be fair to him, he, he put himself in such a position, like in a pretty vulnerable position, where he came out as this kind of knight in shining armor for the European Tour. And it, it could have been like if he started playing golf or playing bad golf, all the media would have been like, he's focusing too much on this live thing. He needs to focus back on golf. He needs to forget about all the kind of politics that are flowing around now and focus on getting back to where he was in the world and in the last kind of. 15 events he's been in the top eight 12 times like he's just literally been an absolute monster both on and off the field for the dp world tour um like he again <laughs> going back to it like he obviously played very well in all the majors but couldn't get the job done in any of them um but i, I think we're, we're we're seeing a different animal here now completely to what we have in the last few years like he's saying that his game is as as good or as more put together or whatever phrase he used as it's ever been um and he's coming off i think it was the last five events first second fourth fourth first fourth like if he just keeps this going like he i think we, we were talking as well about it on, on on the podcast on um i think it's two to one for him to win a major next year and that is put every cent you have just throw it all on him because if he if he does kind of if he doesn't lose the form over the winter He's not guaranteed, but he has as, as good a chance as he'll ever have to complete the career Grand Slam. And yeah, he, I, I if he just keeps this up, he's winning two majors next year. But again, <laughs> he he does have to he does have to keep the foot on the pedal if he if he kind of takes it off over the winter or takes an extended break or whatever. Uh, he could just kind of slip back and then win the FedEx Cup again next year after all the majors are over and no one cares. Like it's. Yeah, it's all about timing for Rory. Oh, yeah. Man, he he has so many fucking inner demons to overcome, though. Like, like, I trust me, nobody is as big of a Rory fan as, like, probably two of us. Like, we, like whenever we've spoken to this, we've been major advocates of what Rory does for the game. Like, 
I just you're crying out for him to win a major, and if it, like it feels like he's had so many opportunities to do this. Like uh, was it 2019? He won 2019. Like look, he won the Players Championship, took a break for a month, and then finished T21 at the Masters. And it feels like year after year after year, he's had these incredible opportunities. Like, and he just hasn't got it done. And yeah. like, we go to the Open Championship this year where you're like, oh, this has got to be Roy's chance. Like, he's just after winning the Canadian T5 at the US Open, T19 at the Travelers, going to the old course where he's won multiple times, or where he's won back in 2011 or whatever. No, sorry, not. I don't know why I said that. Okay. Uh, whatever. Um, but like you're just he's going into the the Sunday tied with Victor Hovland, four shot lead, and you think like Victor Hovland's never won a major. Uh like he's never been in this sort of pressure before. And it's just Roy doesn't get those puts rolling. Like I actually thought he played pretty well on the Sunday. And to me, that just summarizes everything. Like, no matter how well Rory is playing, there is such a mental hurdle there. And if he does win. And I will hold my hands up straight away. But to have that mental block, and I know he works with psychologists and trainers and his wife and his dog and whoever else to try and <laughs> help him get over the line. I am genuinely concerned that he can't get it done or won't get it done. And we'll look back on this and say, I cannot believe Roy McIlroy is only four majors. And he had like he won a player's championship in 2019. And he's played incredible golf for the next eight years, but could just never get it done in a major. Yeah, the the Open last year is a great example of it in terms of like what um, what what he needs, I guess, to to get it over the line. Um, like as you said, four shots clear with Hovland, and then a group back was Smith and Young to two cans, absolutely feeding off each other for the entire day. Something like fifteen birdies and an eagle between them. Whereas McIlroy and Hovland, I think they can only muster about three birdies between them. But like if McIlroy was in a group with either of the cans. Maybe that would have kind of lit a fire under him if he saw something to go and chase or to aim at instead of being kind of coaxed along with this four-shot lead with a guy who's never won a major. Um, yeah. yeah, like if he needs external factors to, to get over the line, like it's the opposite of what Tiger was or a lot of the kind of great lads who they, they didn't need anything else. They'd go out and win. And this is to say, this, we're just talking about Rory McIlroy won. How many shots did he win in Quail Hollow by? Was it nine for his PGA like Championship? That, yeah. Like. So he can do it, but he just needs, or he needs to get back into that kind of a, a mindset. And yeah, I'm hoping that the comments this week, thinking that he's finally in a place where his golf has never been better, is yeah. the, the kind of catalyst to kick on. And yeah, just fucking eight years done. later to get it done. Yeah. We'll be uh, <laughs> we'll be in Ranala. McSorley's a Randall that night if he gets it done. Tell you what. <laughs> Swinging off the bar. <laughs> uh, 2012 PGA Championship, he won by eight strokes. 2011, um, 2011 US Open, won by eight strokes over Jason Day. Oh, man. I would I would die Glory back in those days. Um, all right, we'll move it on from Roy because I'm going to start crying here in a second if we keep talking about him. <laughs> uh, Alex Noren finished tied for a second, or tied for... Uh, tied for second. Wait, is that right? Yeah, I think so. It's tied for second. Uh, this week, the D- yeah, it is at the DP World Tour Championship. Um, he's been on a sneaky good run of form coming up to the Ryder Cup in ten months. He's finished second at the D- at the DP World Tour Championship, second at the Alfred Dunhill Links, second at the Barracuda Championship. That's pretty good shooting from Alex Noren, and I know he's doing a lot of it with the putter at the moment. He's ranked 22nd out of the top 150 players in the world in strokes game putting over the last six months. But, like, my God, it would be a major benefit for Luke Donald if he keeps this going over the next 10 months. Yeah, like, he's he's similar to Power in that he, he does play a lot over in the States as well. So maybe in the, the kind of, I guess, the weaker fields when you talk about the Barracuda or the Bar, or Barbasol or whatever, um, that he mm-hmm. does do well, and he's still getting a fair amount of points for it. Um like he is, he's an amazing, he's an amazing player. Um, I, uh, I love him. Um, maybe his uh, his appearance on the No Laying Up, uh, Taurus Sauce. Might, uh, we what you watch that? Might, oh, absolutely, yeah. That's yeah. great, great, great. Northern in in Denmark is is on my to do list. I have a green fee for it, and I'm fucking dying to get over for it. <laughs> but um, but like I think it's just from um, from the 
if if we move forward ten months and and are relying on Alex Norn, I'm not sure how good a state that will be for European golf. Um, I would rather see the the the, the Hogards, um, or even the Ewan Ferguson's, like someone like that, kind of fighting up and being like what the Hovland was for us in the last one, um, kind of debutants who are really kicking on, um, instead of relying on. Alex Noren. Um, I, I do love him. Absolutely love him. Like his his pre swing drills where he basically puts his hand on the ground before making contact with the ball is mm. I love I love everything about his game. And as you said, he's been putting incredibly well lately. But I I just be worried he'd be he'd be like relying on fucking Westwood or Poulter um yeah. last year. Like that kind of a, a hope as opposed to thinking, right, we have a, a team full of good young lads here, let's fucking go and get them in Rome. Yeah, like I might have to realize. Why do you know what age he is? I'm sorry looking it up, so I don't want to give it away. Oh, I'd say he's 44. 40? Jeez, I would have said like 35. He looks so young. Uh, oh, he's 40, is he? Yeah, no, I thought he was in his 40s now. Oh, well, actually, yeah, he's not that old then. Yeah, but um, yeah, as per data golf, he's ranked as the 18th best golfer in the world right now. He's, he's do you know how is he? Oh, data golf, right? Yeah, that's where right. data golf. Yeah, he's forty first yeah, yeah. in the world. That's for the world golf rankings. Um, yeah, my concern is like having a forty year old on the team. Exactly what you say. It feels like we're going back to a Poulter and a Westward sort of situation. Who people could argue they never should have been on the team, but um, yeah, he did go two one and zero oh, down in Paris, so he has potential to play well on some of these team events, but. I, I do agree with you. I think there's too many good players coming up right now to warrant Alex Norman being in the team. And it, it would feel like a massive step backwards if we were relying on him. Uh, if he fights his way into it, fair play. Like, like he is a class match player, but I, I'd just be, be worried now if if if, if Donald is, is, is even considering it at this point. Um, if he gets there in his own merit in a very similar way to Seamus Power, I'm sure the international kind of side, fair play. Like would love to support him, and I'd love him. I'd love him on the team if he's playing well enough to deserve to be there. But yeah, I wouldn't be wouldn't be relying on him now. Yeah, ten DP World Tour wins hasn't won one since twenty eighteen. Oh, that's tough that's to see. Even, that's even a, a decent decent hauling. To be fair, I, I was shocked by that now when I just saw the double figures there on my page as well. Yeah, yeah, I was like, definitely saying at least half that. Yeah, I thought um, four or five. Uh, okay, I have another hypothetical question for you so Matt Fitz <laughs> I love these hypothetical questions because we're into that shit part of the season where uh, there's very little players to talk about Matt Fitz finished T5 this week and Shane Larry finished T23 who do you think Luke Donald is more excited to see at the Ryder Cup down in Rome who do you think he'll place to, like a bigger importance on oh, I would, and hit, take your patriotism away <laughs> Matt, Matt Fitz all day um like he's just been a complete revelation to himself this year. Um, like all the work that he's done on his speed in particular, like he's he's unrecognizable than what he was, I'd say, two years ago. Um, in terms of just fucking raw, raw speed and not just speed, but accuracy as well. Mm. Um, it's how you get yourself in a position of majors, like when you're just that super consistent and also adding about 10 years. I'm not sure how long he's added, but it's definitely been at least 10 years in the last two years. Um, overall. Um no, but he he's he's one of the best players in the world. Um, as much as we we love Larry, um, like Matt Fitz is just if you had to back them every week or put each way money on each of them each week, you're gonna make far more money off Matt Fitz. Um and for the Ryder Cup, um, I'm not sure there's I'd say he's equally excited about Larry, especially after how kind of passionate he was um last time out and how much it means to him. Uh, as well as having potentially power there as well as a teammate. Um, like if you're kind of plotting out courses for, uh, or plotting out kind of partnerships for a place like, um, um, or a place like the Ryder Cup, it, that's so important. So if there is a Larry and power there, great. Then you have Matt Fitz and say Fleetwood, uh, maybe as, as another, and then you kind of dot yourself around to make sure that, everyone compliments each other very well. So I'd say he's more, he's definitely more excited about Matt Fitz, but like he, he has to kind of be thinking about Larry as well with the 
the potential of even fucking McIlroy and him and Fleetwood are best mates as well. You put Larry with anyone, but yeah, um, that's exactly yeah, no, what it is. Uh, yeah, I no, think he, he'd do he'd do well with anyone. I, I think Matt Fitz is like the more exciting player for Luke Donald in terms of going out and getting points. Even though in um, Whistling Straits he in Nepal, was it Whistling Straits in Nepal and Ryder Cup he went zero zero and three at zero points from three matches. Um, but like he is a completely different player this year than he was back then. He's currently now ninth in the world. He's like you mentioned, added a lot to his game. He's a major champion. Like even like we talk about balls. Like I never would have given Matt Fitzpatrick <laughs> a compliment saying he needed a big pair of balls. But that shot he pulled off on the 18th hole at the US Open, where he was in the bunker and he had to fade it around the fescue. Like that was nerves of steel. And he could have just yeah. tried to pitch out onto a fairway and get up and down to potentially make a par and win it or make a bogey, go to a playoff. And he's just like, fuck this with Foster, Billy Foster, and went for it. But in terms of partnerships, I'd say Luke Donald is licking his lips after what you saw with Shane Larry at Whistling Straits thinking I can pair this guy with anyone and he is he's going to be like our um, not Tom Kim he's going to be like our Siwoo Kim like getting in the face of the other players and fucking <laughs> making JT put out three foot putts that's really think- Tom Tom Kim job no he's like um, he even last week he was uh, uh, kind of joking and hugging Hovland on the course yeah. Like, so him and Hovland get on very well. Him and Fleetwood I'm, apparently are great mates, like even on and off the course. There's obviously Perr and McElroy there as well. And like, yeah, you could put them, you could put them with literally anyone. Um, you'd only then have to kind of maybe think about the actual style of play as a kind of finishing touch to find the perfect partner for him. But no, he's he's um uh I don't know what the what what the right way to describe him is, but um he'd 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 meld in with anyone. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I we're going to segue onto the PGA Tour then, where Roy McIlroy's been winning non-stop nowadays. Adam Svensson picked up his first win on the PGA Tour down at Seaside. Um, and I'd like to say that this, like you mentioned there, that he had missed three, his last three cuts at the RSM Classic. Then all of a sudden he, finished, he wins this week. And I would like to say this is a little bit unprecedented as well. He's gone 39th, missed cut, 59th, 69th, 54th in his last five starts in the PGA Tour before this. And all of a sudden this week just gains like under 12 strokes putting and has the best week of his life and wins at like 150 to 1 or 130 to 1 for a lot of people. Yeah, like I I, I was looking up that past form as well just as a kind of um, another kind of bullet in the in the barrel for the... the um, why the depth of field matters so much to the world called Franken equation. Um, like this guy was, what did you see him at 150 to 101? Or is that, that was, I've seen said, right? loads of people on Twitter betting him at 150 to one. And now I've like, reopened my Paddy Power account thinking maybe I can do that too. You'd want your fucking head examined if you backed him at 150 to one. Like, oh, man, I, was, I mean, I've, I've seen loads of people back him at 150 to one. That was some, he must have said something, um, to someone that he was feeling good. And not only that, uh, he he was won over after the first round. I'd say he was a thousand to one by mm. by Thursday evening. Um, but he did. I was I was reading kind of into it afterwards. I don't know that much about him. Like the he's he's Canadian uh, guy who came up kind of through the Canadian Q school or something like that. Like he's he's not he's not very well known. And obviously, he's seventy starts and no wins. So you don't really hear much about these kind of guys. But what he did say was they were in Texas last week, and he was just making too many stupid mistakes. So all he said this week was, we're going to hit the middle of the greens and hope the butter works. And lo and behold, he's first overall in putting. So as he said, like a ridiculous trust gain average, um, mm. which is literally how he won. Like if his putter was a bit colder, he would have been two and three putting from the middle of the green every time. But that was the only tactics he said he changed from last week. So yeah, <laughs> you have to think <laughs> if he's putting that well this week and it's a fairly straightforward game plan like that, he might be one to keep on the side of moving forward, um, but he'll have to put a few more kind of top tens together before there'll be any kind of trust, really, especially seeing as he's barely making cuts and hanging around the 50-60 mark for most of the previous tournaments. Yeah, I think on the PGA Tour, I think at Seaside, people had, people's models recognised the fact that Putin was going to stand out. And over the last six months, he's 33rd from the top 150 players in strokes gained Putin. So 
Now, the crazy thing is, this is his first ever career top five in a PGA Tour event. And it's a fucking <laughs> win down at the RSM Classic. So I agree with you. I don't know how he got, I don't know how people managed to pick him. He's the 16th Canadian to win on the PGA Tour. And now he gets oh, like a spot in the Masters, a two year exemption, $1.4 million. It joins Mackenzie Hughes as the Canadian to win on the PGA Tour this season. <laughs> like that's from Bob Weeks uh, from TSN, the Sports Network. Like yeah, I'm like I was looking through the stats, and I cannot see one thing that would made me would have made me think last week. You know what? Adam Spencer would be a good fucking bet this week. But nah, uh, anyone anyone that did it needs to do the fucking lotto. Like it's <laughs> it, it's um it, it's definitely as far as trying to put kind of logic behind your um your picks or any sort of reasoning. Like you normally have something. Like there is barely if you want to use that pulling one as a as an excuse to back him, that's probably not even strong enough to spend more than a euro each way on him at 150 to one. But um, no, he, like it, it, it's great for him. Um, he seems like a really nice lad as well, and that's a two-year exemption now, and he's going to get invited to the Masters and the PGA or the US PGA. So yeah, we'll see see how he can go on. Mm. Um, yeah, very good. I didn't get to see too much of this because. Oh, don't ask me questions. My father got away, got rid of the fucking Sky Sports broadcast and they were using new TV and I don't have Red Button and I have to fucking watch... Oh, sorry, I don't have... It's I watched the LPGA Tour instead, but Seamus Power was in contention for a while. Twitter kind of lit up from, for a short period of time from an Irish perspective, but it's a massive step for, towards Ryder Cup selection for Seamus Power, who's like... This could have been his second win in three starts, and he tied. He ended up tying for fifth down at Sea Island. Still making over three hundred grand, like mm. it's it's huge for him. Um, I think he's home now. Um, he's coming back to have a bit of a party with Gary Hurley. Uh, he recently got his DP World Tour status. Um, so they're uh, they're 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 going to be celebrating a joint a joint event. There'll be some crack in West Waterford. Um, but no, like it is, it's amazing for him. Like he, he's, he, as we said earlier, like these, the, the world ranking points are seem to be skewed towards these PGA Tour events, and he just keeps rocking up in the top five. So the more he can do that, like I think if he won this week, he would have gone into the top twenty-five, something like that, maybe even top twenty. Um, mm. So like he's hovering around the, the top twenty-five in the world. Um, like this is a guy a year ago we would have kind of thinking of getting invites to majors was a, a fantasy and yeah now he's pretty much secured himself as one of the top players in the world so like we we're, we're i guess we're not taking it for granted but um he, he's definitely he seems to be overachieving every time he kind of takes a huge step forward in his career whether it is a top 50 in the world whether it is a win he, he seems to find another glass ceiling to break and um, so if we can if he can keep it up um, perform well in the majors next year he, he, he can't be ignored by Luke Donald um, and hopefully he gets there by his own kind of merit but um, it would be very very cool to see uh, two two Irish lads well two Republic of Irish lads uh, in, in the squad in Rome yeah and he's currently leading we were talking off air currently leading the FedEx Cup as well which is fucking crazy that Seamus Perry is leading the FedEx Cup yeah, too bad. McIlroy hit hit form at the end of next year, win three in a row, and t- take the whole thing. Get to East Lake and just shove it in everybody's face and thank Jay Monaghan <laughs> for uh, another payout. Um, the other thing, just so yeah, congrats to Seamus Perrett. The other thing we we're talking off air about is, and I've been preaching about this for ages, is the cluttered schedule on the PGA Tour. Because this was like a tournament that if you're an American uh, player or an American spectator, you're competing with NFL, you're competing with the LPGA Tour, you're, and it's events week in, week out. And I understand the fact that the PGA Tour wants to give people coming off the Corn Ferry Tour a chance to get their card or a chance to play well in some of these uh, weaker events. But at some stage, I, I would just love to see a little bit of an off-season whereby players can revitalize. And the example I go to is, after, the lads are screaming downstairs because I think Wales have scored. And they have money. <laughs> they have money on Wales right now. I think 
Oh, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But anyways, uh, I'm getting distracted <laughs> here. <laughs> uh, the current schedule in the PGA Tour is like, the example I go to is the FedEx Cup, or sorry, the 2019-2020, when COVID hit, and we ended up having like a six-month hiatus, and we came back, and Roy was playing unbelievable before this, and all of a sudden, uh, he comes back, and he's just he wasn't as sharp as he was. Bryson comes back, and he's just fucking Hulk-looking monster on the walking around the golf course, giving it a bit of fire ants and trees. Uh, people just came back with like. New personas, new attitudes, new bodies. And you didn't know what to expect. And it added a lot to the excitement. I remember even for that period, like Twitter was going mad, like looking at somebody like Tony Fina's Instagram who had hit 200 mile per hour ball speed. And people hypothesizing, oh, what's he doing in the offseason? What's he doing on the offseason? And I would just love to see something like that where Jay Monning comes out and says, listen, you know what? We're not going to see any of these players for four or six weeks and take a break. Yeah, we have six weeks to, for them now until century. You can do a lot in six weeks. I know. I, 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 I get what you're. I get what you're saying. Um, but I also kind of understand why they're doing it. And it's as you said, it's to try and give these lads some sort of a kind of stepping stone in towards the deep side of the pool. Um, that is kind of these uh these heavy skewed events that are going to be popping up now in the in the in the new season calendar um like it no one like again i hate kind of slating the barbasol i don't know why it always comes to my head when i think it's shit <laughs> but like if you win the barbasol like fair play to you you're picking up a massive check no one was there to play in it bar like everyone else who's kind of just needs to get over their kind of quota for the card um and then that's kind of why all these tournaments are there and why there's so much time on every week like you if 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 there was a bit a longer off season, there would be so many more lads losing their cards. They'd have to bring the actual kind of mm. money value down on what the quota is or the threshold is to, to retain your card. Um, if you start doing that, then it, it just gets very very messy. Then if you're starting to talk about Q school for for lads who kind of might have uh, stayed on the PGA Tour if they had have had one more chance or one more event where all the best lads in the world weren't playing. Um, I think this season is going to be incredible because it does. It's it's a heavier skew on those kind of tournaments, and like it's, it'd be very similar to if you say the NFL there and it's something like they have an off season. Um, these kind of tournaments around November to February or November even December now um, are very similar to the last few games in the regular season um, in the NFL, where the lads who are already in the playoffs don't really care and they're resting their teams for the big games the lads who are in yeah. at the bottom of the league aren't really trying that hard because they want better draft picks like they're not really important games between 14 and 16 bar like a handful and yeah. like but you still need them because they they flesh everything else out uh, you can't just mm. not play them so i think these pj tour events are like that they're kind of like a a bridge between um obviously the fedex cup and the the, the start of the the, the the kind of new uh, enhanced events um, it, but if you don't have them there's an issue like fundamentally with the how the actual product will run so I do I, I agree some of them are shit I'm not going to watch them but I realise why they're there yeah I barely have time to fucking prepare my Christmas list trying to watch some of them so it just seems like it seems a little bit messy and I would prefer if Jay Monning came out and said you know what we're going to leave these to the guys who are 71 to 125 in the FedEx Cup and give them a chance to battle these events out and do their players were but I know we were speaking a little bit off air about this as well I know it is going to be changing a little bit as well the format of the PGA Tour next season so we might try and get a podcast on that in the run up to Christmas because we're 44 minutes through this and we've barely got to speak about the incredible Lydia Cole down at the CME Group Tour Championship who's the winner of the CME, like I mentioned, winner of the CME Grid Tour Championship, uh, Rolex Player of the Year. She's like Lydia Cole, and I couldn't believe this. Is twenty five years old, and she's. A, this is from Michael McEwen, twenty five years old, a two time major champion, nineteen LPGA Tour wins, three time LPGA Tour OOM winner, which is I presume like. Player of the year. Yeah. 
yeah. Uh, Olympic silver medalist, Olympic bronze medalist, former world number one, the fifth highest earner in LPGA Tour. She's a year younger than me. And I've done nothing with my life. I've barely started a podcast and she's fucking won this incredible amount of money. Yeah, I don't want to tell you how much younger she is than me. Um, <laughs> no, like, uh, oh no, she's incredible. Like, she's a freak. Um, when you're kind of looking week to week um, through the, the LPGA Tour events, like, it's very similar to when you see Matt Roy or Ram at the top of some of these events with the market kind of literally just absolutely barging down on them. She's the exact same as that in terms of just being in, a, in nearly a league of her own um, on a week-to-week basis. Um, but it is very cool to see um, our own girl from Calvin um, giving her a run for her money. There was definitely a, a good sweat on Saturday night um, after that uh, incredible round on Saturday Saturday afternoon. But um, like the, the fact that Maguire is even there, thereabouts with someone like her, like she actually said... Um, uh, afterwards, she was obviously disappointed. Um, but I think it was four years ago to this week, uh, she missed Q school by a shot. So, like, in a four year turnaround, she's now literally battling out with the likes of Lydia Coe and the best in the world. So, when you have uh, when you have someone like that from um, from our from our small little island, it's it's nice to see that we can battle with the best of them. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was Brian Kyo tweeted out that if she had won that two million dollar purse yesterday that two million dollar winner's paycheck it would have been the largest single paycheck ever taken or second largest uh paycheck ever taken by an irish golfer number one would have been rory after he won the players championship so like yeah literally yeah. It's, it's an amazing purse for a for, for a tournament um like but again kind of we we briefly uh talked about it off air like where and i think you said the the um, CME um, CEO called them out on it. Like, where where could you watch it? Yeah, like it's the, the the coverage is and the PJ Tour are the same. Like, they're just offering this fucking massive hole for the likes of Live to exploit by putting on on YouTube and free to air. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know whether there'll be more of a kind of strategic alliance. Obviously, PGA and DP, but will LPGA be factored into that then? So that there'll be some sort of uh, not even shared airtime, but some way to accommodate these tournaments that can all happen within five hours of each other, and it's eight hours of airtime. Um, don't think it's part of it, but like it, 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 it really fucking should be. <laughs> like in terms of people being able to actually watch them. Yeah, it was actually sorry. I, he actually was. I will make the point now about the um, TV broadcast, but the CME CEO had or they'd organised a a dinner and. Basically, nobody turned up. No players turned up to a pre-tournament dinner that was organized. He came out and blasted the LPGA Tour saying, it's an embarrassment to my company and me. Uh, I think it was Serena Williams was supposed to turn up. I think I saw a tweet about this today. Serena Williams was supposed to turn up and ended up that she had to cancel. And then LPGA Tour was like, oh, no, I'm not going. And he came (laughs) out. And said, I am exceptionally disappointed with the leadership of the LPGA. They better get their act together because they're going to lose people like me over stuff like this. Ah, okay. Fucking... I didn't, okay. didn't hear that. Fucking hell, yeah. That is fucking wild. Um, so, and it, apparently there was supposed to be other people there, like former US presidents, second secretaries, and other VIPs. So I'm going to do a bit more of a deeper dive into this, but Terry Duffy is the name of the CEO. The CEO. That is a fucking launch. That's a rocket missile towards the LPGA Tour. Um, I will. Oh, but you'd be, you'd be fuming, like in terms of a company sponsoring an event like that and putting up the biggest fucking purse ever in, on the LPGA Tour. I presume it was, was it? It may be barring a major. Yeah, the biggest ever. I yeah, think. like putting up that kind of money and getting treated like shit. I'd be just as furious. And organizing all these former like presidents or whoever to come, and then just none of them and none of the players turn up. It's yeah, I completely agree. We now, I think I'll launch my own little attack here because I was speaking with somebody in work today. That the great thing about the LPGA Tour is they're so much more relatable to us than uh, Brooks Kepka or Roy McElroy or even Adam Svensson, who hits the ball to 90 to 300 off the tee and then has like a pitching wedge that goes 155 yards. The LPGA Tour is like so much more relatable to me personally as a golfer, anyway, and the fact that. He was the 13th hole yesterday. 
Leona had a par five, 270 yards into the green. Now, <laughs> I don't want to call her out on it, but she topped it into the water. And you. Oh, yeah, Cole did like, something there as well, didn't she? Yeah, and they Cole like sliced in. Yeah. And, like, but they were only trying to lay up with a tree wood. But my point is, like, for an average golfer, the LBGA Tour is so much easier to watch in the fact that, oh, I. I only hit it that distance or I only hit my pitching wedge with that t- trajectory. But there's nowhere we can watch it. And like I, I love watching the LPGA Tour from a, on a weekly basis whenever it's on the red button, even though the fucking red button is gone now. But whenever I can watch it, uh, I do love watching it. And yeah, I think it's when you have two million euro or two million dollars, sorry, two million dollars up for a purse, for a winner's purse, and you can't see it anywhere for a lot of the holes, it just makes a kind of a mockery of the whole thing. And I thought this was what the skating attack was about. And it actually wasn't. But if I was uh, Jerry Kelly, that's what I'd be having a few private words about. Yeah. Like how you're saying in terms of being, I guess, um, distance wise, uh, a little more relatable. Um, but it is, um, uh, I remember caddying in, I think it was the, the girls or the women's Irish open. I think it was the girls Irish open years ago. Um, and, Leona McGuire and Lisa were there. Um, like distance wise, yeah, they, they'd probably still hit it past most lads and with far more accuracy. But when you get inside 150 yards, it's it's disgraceful how good they are. That's really mm. where the the main difference. And I'd say you can put any kind of uh, male pro up against a female pro from within the yards where it doesn't really matter, where it's just actually a kind of field shot nearly to an extent. It's going to be very very little difference. Like it's 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 so impressive from, from that distance in. Um, so yeah, it's like, but it is a great leveler. It's very similar to tennis in that regard. Like Mm. women's tennis is just as good to watch as men's tennis because it's, it's kind of on the same platform in terms of actually going against, um, or one to one opponent on a very similar skill level. And golf is then another layer of kind of intricacy where it's, you're trying to unkind of pack this puzzle or trying to figure out this puzzle of the golf course they're playing that week. Um, so yeah, it's, in terms of viewership, it, it has the exact same kind of credentials as tennis, which has as high as a viewership as men's. Uh, and yeah. then when you watch the Wimbledon, whatever, it's obviously really well kind of integrated in terms of both of them are shown at, I don't know, like it's just very well laid out. Whereas in golf, it's, it's awful between men's tours. It's awful between men's and women's tours. It's just awful in general. So when you do have live kind of giving everyone it out for free. And I know it's going to go to Fox or something next year that they're actually paying for the, the rights to, to kind of show on the network. Um, but uh, when, when, when you have a big disruptor in there and they're very easily able to capitalize on you not being able to show everyone golf, that's not a fucking good luck. Um, so I think they're going to have to really kind of step that up as we move towards these kind of the majors, the, the bigger events, like take the British Open. That was the best watch. I think I've ever the best time I've ever had watching golf, watching golf, because of that Rolex sponsorship and there was no ads. Like yeah, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Whereas then you watch, I'd say if you did watch the RSM this week, you get three shots and then five ads and the golf beyond on mute on the side of the screen. Like it's just it's so stupid to be able to or to to allow um, the the product oh, that is these unbelievable golfers be kind of shot on by advertisers and money so yeah we're starting know. a podcast we're starting a a protest that jay monaghan needs to go he has <laughs> to go fucking go I, i'll be with you like it, it's but like it's a joke like greg norman's like the biggest fucking the fact the fact that people make memes or memes of greg norman and jay monaghan with clown faces on them Jay Monaghan should never let himself get into that situation, but he does it by how bad the product is. And even the PGA Tour released a new PGA Tour wrap last week. I don't know if you had the chance to test out yet. And I had you have a quick to look at it in. over the weekend, yeah, stuff. I, I don't know how people get apps done so badly or how they allow them to actually go live when they're so fucking buggy. It's slightly faster at the leaderboard, I guess, but the old one was a fucking joke. I could have done a better job with HTML and CSS. <laughs> It's a fucking mess. Um, oh, right. Okay. I'm, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because uh, I literally will be awake all night thinking about how shit Jay Monaghan has been during some of this. <laughs> I want to 
briefly touch on Greg Norman because you <laughs> have <we> documented. <laughs> do you have another hour left? <laughs> oh, so that's <laughs> what happens every week when we do the when we do the unplayable podcast. It's literally we set aside. I don't know. Say there's three or four <laughs> topics to touch on, and Liv ends up being at least sixty percent of the conversation every fucking week. And that's the only reason I wanted to bring it up because <laughs> you have a on the unplayable podcast. You have documented very, very well just what's going on, what's happening, how <laughs> how bad Greg Norman is, and how much of a psycho or sociopath that he is. Um, what do you think is Liv's next steps? Do you think there's sorry, let me actually let me just start off a little bit more of a closed question. Do you think there's yeah. anybody or who's the biggest name do you think that they get on the on PGA tour? Player wise or, or in the or, yeah, player wise, or if anybody. Um I I kind of touched on earlier saying and Ram's comments might kind of indicate that he's unhappy where he is, but I don't think he'll go. Um I'm I'd be willing to put money on. Um Sander Schaufler and Patrick Cantley both going, which would be really, would, which would be fucking terrifying. I know, but um, Cantley has has said it before. Um, one of those kind of bullshit defensive kind of deflective remarks that my team handles all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and I thought he was going to go before the FedEx Cup. I thought he was going to hang on till the end of the FedEx Cup and then go. And I'm still convinced he's going to go. I'm just surprised he hasn't gone yet. And he will drag Xander Scheffler with him. Um, they're best mates. Uh, they'll go on a team together, or they'll they'll do they'll do something. But I'm pretty sure if Cantley goes, who I think is going to go, Xander's going to follow him. Um, the other kind of guys, I I thought Ricky Fowler. There was big rumors of him going, um, but I think he's too pally with JT and Jordan Speed to go at this stage. If he had been offered the money, like a good chunk of money, 12 months ago and he was playing shit, he might have taken it. But the fact that he's back to actually potentially competing on PJ Tour events and his, he's getting back into actually loving the game of golf, I think he's going to stay. Um, yeah, I'd say, yeah, Cantley is, is the, the next big ticket item for, for Liv, I think, and he might drag Xander with him. Um, and if they can get then some branding icon like Ricky as well, it would just just help them on the marketing side as well. I don't really think they give a shit about um, much other than what is this person going to bring to us? And they don't care about golf. It's about kind of things more than more than golf for their image. I don't think they give much of a shit about marketing though either because <laughs> the way that they've communicated some of these messages and created names of teams or whatever, <laughs> it's... The Don't intern is doing a stellar job. Like the intern must be a future CMO of a multinational company because he's getting all this experience and he's doing a bad job. But like, it's well, fucking... the fucking the the intern is the same intern that um, after Taylor Gooch won his live competition, he said best <laughs> luck to this week's winner Taylor Gooch in the Open in St Andrews, and he wasn't <laughs> even in the fucking field. So that's uh, that's that's what's running live at the moment are their social media channels, um. And their logos and team names, like they're like those clip art kind of illustrations from Microsoft Word back when you had a dial-up connection for the internet. Like it's just they're they're so. I think it's all going to change, though. I, I I do see what they're trying to do, and I am terrified that it's going to work. Um, the PJ Tour had the perfect chance to get out in front of this. Uh, obviously, your pal Jay at the wheel didn't didn't do fucking anything. He just threw more money at the problem, which wasn't the right solution. Um, he he had the opportunity to kind of do something similar to live or some sort of an F1 style event and say, yeah, let's dedicate these. Actually, it complements what you're trying to say as well on that kind of off-season side. Let's have, I don't know, from the end of October through to December, like a six-week period where these teams go up against each other in, in not a shotgun start of 54 holes, but like some more of a kind of blitz thing where you don't have to play, but there's going to be loads of money and you can come play if you want while the kind of corn ferry guys are either trying to keep or get their card um, or some money towards it um, in tandem with it. Um, you could have got Tylist in, um, I don't know who would be a good example, Strixon um, for Larry. So you'd have Larry and Matsuyama 
on one team mm. and they fight for Strix and, and then some clothing manufacturer as a brand, just in terms of Red Bull um, racing in the F1 kind of thing. Yeah. Like there was there was an opportunity to do that and they just didn't do it. And now I'm pretty sure that's where Liv are gonna go. Um mm. I, I think I, I can't remember, is it Honda or there's some company, ATT, I think was another one that was rumored that they're gonna be buying like majority stakeholdings in these teams. I think Adidas is um, another one rumored. Yeah, yeah. Like and they're gonna be worth about a billion dollars by the end of it. So then mm. that gives the captains who have equity in it an incentive to either get the best team together or get the best signings in the transfer window or like it's going to turn into Formula One and the PJ Tour had a chance to get in front of us they fucked it and I've never been more worried that it's actually going to work out Alright let me plug like crazy here in the Pug Life podcast for a second because uh, two things the Xander thing apparently he's he came out in No Lay No podcast last week said that he's not going to live um, which was documented by Andy Lack as well on the Inside Golf podcast, who actually, I think he knows people within the Xander camp who said that he's not going. Now, the other thing is, according to Andy as well, is that apparently Xander and Cantley, like you said, are a dual package, and they cannot go without each other uh, because they're such pally mates. And if Xander is so insistent on not going, then Cantley can't go. But at the same time, so I, I don't think Cantley, or sorry, I don't think Xander will go. But at the same time, I completely agree with what you're saying. The fact that Xander, or God, why am I so bad at these names? Cantley a few months ago said my team handles all that, and I was convinced he was on the private. I thought he was yeah. gone the next week. Yeah, I thought he was holding hands with Greg Norman down the back of the plane, jumping <laughs> off to Saudi Arabia. Um, but he hasn't gone yet. So no, um, I don't. That, I I agree. I don't think Xander is the type of person that would do it for money. Like he's he's so proud of his kind of Olympic medal. Like things like things of the history of golf and like golf as a sport mean a lot to him. But mm. him and Cantley are literally joined at the hip, and I was sure he was going. So I thought they were going to throw an enormous amount of money, or throw Cantley an enormous amount of money to talk shit in his ear to make him move over. Um, that's the only reason I thought he was going. Cantley, I thought would be gone, yeah. and Xander would end up being kind of, I guess, uh, friendly fire and the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. The other thing is the um. Let me f- send some friendly fire towards my best friend, the commissioner of the PGA Tour again, because, <laughs> <laughs> like as you can tell, I'll probably ask Jay Mon to be best man at my wedding. But, uh, him when the PGL, the Premier Golf League, uh, approached him and said we want to work with you guys, <laughs> the fact that Jay Monahan just literally point blank ignored his emails ignored his messages Roy came on no laying up saying that he advised Jay basically said that he advised Jay to go speak to him just hear them out hear what they have to say and Jay was so adamant and cocky and self-righteous Jay Mon who would be like your man that was fucking run that FTX um, trading <laughs> platform <laughs> in the fact that like he's just so arrogant and condescending towards people and I tell you what, he is blessed that he has Rory and Tiger saving the PGA Tour right now and getting people together in a room and saying that they're going to run an event because... That's the best thing, actually. Like, we were speaking about Adair earlier on. Like, Tiger organized a meeting for the players while they were in Adair at the pro Like, it's nothing to do with Monon. And Jay was there with Keith Ellie. Oh, was Jay? Oh, he was, actually. You saw him, yeah. You I got a photo of him. So like Your I'm telling you, I've 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 a, a dartboard here behind me with Jay's face in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, no, like, I just I just I cannot believe like if this was a public limited company and a CEO was running like this with no innovation or no uh, wouldn't listen to anybody outside, he'd be gone within a week. Shareholders would be and like <laughs> like uh he. Yeah, he could be next UK Prime Minister for 40 days and be gone because he's doing that bad of a job. Um, yeah, no, it is. He's, uh, I, I don't know. I'm very surprised he survived this long. Um, and when there is going to be a, like, as you said, it's pure arrogance the way he treated the, the Saudi Golf League as well or whatever, Premier mm-hmm. Golf League, whatever it was called. Um, but that just shows his mentality and where he is and what he has like what he's sitting on in terms of the PJ Tour, it's like it's perfect, it's grand, it doesn't need to change. 
no one's going to ever, like he just, he ran Monopoly and he kind of sat on it. And again, as he said, the lack of innovation, just week in, week out, season in, season out. Let's add a 10% raise to this purse. Let's get a new sponsor in for this. But like whatever the case was, like the only thing they seem to be talking about um, is where they're going to host venues 20, 30 years in the distance. Like they're mm-hmm. never really focused on the short term. And like, it's always been, oh, sure, of course, everything's going to be fine. Like we can look this far down into the yeah. future because golf golf is golf and PGA Tour is the PGA Tour. So yeah, I don't know. I think he's he's, he's the wrong man to have the wheel, especially when there's a, a huge disruptor trying to, trying to eat your lunch. Yeah. Um, the other thing was that the, I'll just finish off on this. Live Golf are apparently getting rid of Greg Norman and ha- hiring a new CEO who was the former CEO of um, TaylorMade for a few years from like 2001 to 2014. He tr- grew the revenue from like $350 million to $2 billion. Yeah, he's in, the CEO of a mobile company or a network company in the States then, only after that. Yeah. So yeah. apparently he's gone, but. I'm gonna. I will stop talking party here about Jay Monahan. I could be facing a 750 million dollar lawsuit in the morning, so uh, <laughs> I better just calm down here for a sec. I will round up the show here by the Tuesday trivia question. So my first one was, how much has Leona Maguire won on the LPGA Tour this season? You said two million, which is actually a very good guess. The answer was 1.81 million. Oh and fuck! Lydia Cole, you said five million. She has won $4.36 million on the P- LPGA Tour last, se- last season now. So, yeah, it's a, um, yeah, it's kind of puts things into perspective. Just Leona McGuire had a pretty good season and only picked up how much a typical PGA, well, an elevated PGA Tour event is. So, uh, I would love to see them hashtag grow the game, but uh, yeah. Good question. Well no, done. We did. Uh, what was the what was the other one? There was um, I think McElroy's combined earnings for the year came out. I think it worked out. Obviously, excluding the the signing fee, um, I think he made forty six million this year, and mm. DJ made forty five, forty two. So McElroy actually earned more than DJ on the on the on the course this year, excluding his um, excluding his obviously his massive paycheck at the start. So yeah, there's. Um, but and it's DJ, going to be even it's going to be even worse next year. Well, not worse. It's going to be even more for anyone that kind of seems to peak at those top eight events at majors. Like the the, the money professional golfers are earning at the moment is absolutely ludicrous. But it seems to be the only driving force in any kind of, I guess, uh, movement for a new type of golf. Like shotgun starts, bollocks, fifty four holes, not golf. Um, Whereas money seems to be the driving factor for all of these events and what seems to be swaying people from one tour to the other. So hopefully uh, this kind of new season and uh, more emphasis from the PGA Tour on the history of events will um, mm. will kind of, I guess, just um, help solidify the PGA Tour as the place to play golf. But lots of uh, lots of money been thrown around. It's, it's pretty sickening. <laughs> yeah, none coming towards me nowadays. Um, Connor, listen, we'll finish off here. Where can people find you? Um, you you do great work on the Unplayable podcast, but just tell people where they can find you. Yeah, um, Twitter at ConorN11 or Instagram, CNolan11, and then the Unplayable podcast is on Spotify um, normally every every Wednesday. Yeah, super. And it's a great listen as well. Very, very entertaining. Um, Here you can find episodes every tuesday and every thursday morning i do have a big guest joining me next week it's a uh, mr jay monaghan so i'm excited for that one <laughs> <laughs> uh but no connor thanks a million for joining me and i'll sure i'll be sure to get you on soon lovely cheers mark <laughs>